0: with me to John chapter 6, if you will. John chapter 6. That uh, song, Draw Me Close, is uh, one of my favorite. I've always loved it. Uh, I think it holds exactly what we're talking about in this series. When you get to a place in your life where you realize that He's all you want and He's all you need, you're on the road to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I know we we talk about a lot of things. I know our our world is divided right now or everything is divided, doesn't matter. I mean, everything is divided right now. The one thing you need to be solid and secure on is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where your life needs to begin and where your life needs to be headed and uh, ultimately where your life will end in Jesus Christ. Now, we're in a series called Honest Questions That Deserve Honest Answers. Uh, And as I've said, as we've been through this series that we're in a time where people have questions. They don't just have questions about what's going on uh, in the world or what's going on in their life or where they'll be. They have questions about faith and religion, but this question is probably the most thought about but the least talked about because In this day and age, it doesn't matter what your vision or what your view of the world or life is, if you express it to someone else, it's like that old saying, you're going to either need to pucker or duck, because somebody's either going to embrace you or want to fight you about it. So... (laughs) as believers as followers of Christ it's vitally important that we not back down we don't want to start a fight but we also don't want to back away from the opportunity to share our faith so we need to be informed we need to know what it is that we believe and why we believe it that has led us to this question today that we've been talking about for the past couple weeks what is the meaning of life what is the meaning of life what are you here for? Ultimately, what are you here for? If you remember when we first started this, the first Sunday uh, when I started this series, I gave you a whole a long list of quotations from people who, uh, not necessarily theologians, but life coaches and, and people that uh, have written books about what life is about. And they gave their expression and their thoughts on the matter. And it's, it's great to... I think, read what other people have to say and talk to people and figure out or, and find out what it is they believe. But as a follower of Christ, our searching should be over. You understand that? As one who follows Jesus Christ, who as one who has accepted Him as their Savior, your searching for purpose in life should be over. Now, I know that that will vary based on where you are in your walk. Some people are farther along down the road in the in, the, uh, in, in the, the life of grace, the life of following Christ, and you understand more, and some people are brand new to it, and it's, a, it's an early time in your life. But Jesus Christ should be the center of your search. He should be home base for you. And everything that you... everything now that you learn, everything that you desire to learn, everything that you desire to pursue should all be funneled through understanding that Jesus Christ is the meaning of life. If you'd stand with me as we read our text, John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. It says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set the seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform the works of God? They asked. Jesus replied, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty Again, you may be seated. What is the meaning of life? The Bible tells us that believing in Jesus and accepting him as your savior is the great pursuit of human existence. My contention is that as followers of Christ, in order to be able to tell someone about the true meaning of life, which is what we're called to do, once you accept Christ as your savior, once you realize that you've done something wrong in life, that you are not perfect, and that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and once you ask him to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and be your savior, the pursuit of your life now is a relationship with him, and the product of your life should be reaching out to others about the faith that you have, telling other people about Jesus Christ. You see, it's a constant progression of growth in you and outreach to others. That's what this is all about. The more you know about your faith, the more you know about your Savior, the more you understand how to apply it to your life and how you live with your faith interwoven into everything you do, the greater witness you'll be for Jesus Christ. It's just a byproduct of following Him. And so in order to tell someone about the true purpose and meaning of life. In order to tell someone about Jesus, beyond simply, be, beyond living your faith, you need to be able to understand what it is that you believe. I believe that you've got to, you, you must be on a path towards not only finding, but fulfilling your purpose in life. You must be in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that that means you must I believe with all my heart, and I'll give give you the biblical background for this, the biblical basis if you want to talk about it. I believe with all my heart, that means being a connected part of a solid Bible teaching local church. Not being devoted to me as the pastor, but being connected to a body of believers who are pursuing Christ the same way you are. Now, in this message, we've gone to the Gospel of John. And in fact, the text for this entire series is part of where we'll get, we'll get this message from. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes seven statements that begin with the words, I am. And I believe within those seven statements, when Jesus makes declarative statements about who he is and what, can, what he can do and what he wants to do for us, we find the life that he wants us to live. We find uh, the structure, we find the meat on the bones of living as a Christian. Now, every one of these statements follows either a, uh, a miracle or follows uh, some great teaching of his, some great event, which he used as a springboard to get into the lesson that he was trying to teach to the people. We started it last week and we covered the first two I am's. The first one was, I am the resurrection and the life. And we focused on him as the resurrection. And then we said, uh, he is the life that we are to live. He is the source of life. He is what our lives should revolve around. The second one, if you remember, the second I am was, I am the way, the truth and the life. And what we focused on there was the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the truth of all truths. There is no truth outside of him. I know we can debate that. I know people can debate that. People can talk about it. People can throw out everything they want to say, especially in this day and age. I remember growing up, maybe those of you who are uh, in my general ballpark of age, remember when truth came under assault and moral relativism was the big teaching out there. And it started getting into schools and it started getting into politics and started getting into societies. And there were those who looked down the road of of history and said, this is dangerous. It's dangerous to say that there is no truth. It's dangerous to say that truth is subjective. The truth is whatever you want it to be. And others said that'll never happen. It'll never get to the point because truth is always truth. Well, here we are today in a time in history, in society, where truth is basically what you want it to be. You understand that, right? There is no truth anymore in society. Truth is whatever you say and think it is. Whatever you want your truth to be, that's the truth. That's why it's so difficult to convince people of the message of Jesus Christ these days. Because everybody's truth is truth. And some of the Strong. Some of the more popular nationwide evangelical leaders in America have walked away from absolute truth and said, all roads lead to heaven. You may not call him Jesus, but we all worship the same God. Well, I'm telling you, that's not true. The truth is, that's a lie. And unless you, are, unless you are dead set on the truth in your life, listen, you don't have to be contrary about it. You don't have to be ugly about it. You don't have to be uh, violent and, and overly vocal about it. But you do need to be steadfast in your belief and your knowledge that Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth And the life. And that brings us to the third I am, and we read about it in our text this morning. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 35, and verse 41, and verse 48, and verse 51, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, this was shortly after he had fed 5,000 people, at least 5,000, with five biscuits and two fish. In fact, it was probably the day after. And even after this amazing meal that this crowd had, this multitude had, I mean, think about that. That's an amazing amount of people just to feed. For those of you who are in the food industry, I remember when Jess and Jimmy and Zach and I used to work at uh, Boston Market. Remember, we'd do caterings? And we, I remember we did a catering over here at the Jewish nursing home, and it was for like 600 people. That was insanity. And we had an entire team try, somebody who, who feeds a college full of people. It's craziness to, do, to, to try to plan and get that all together. And Jesus, with no prior planning, <laughs> with no menu, with no cooking apparatus, all he had was his hands fed thousands of people with five biscuits and two fish. Amazing. Amazing. And these people followed him the next day and said, well, now what are you going to do? What are you, you going to do now to prove to us who you are? See, they were looking for a show. They were, and, and isn't that what a lot of people say today? They're looking for a sign. I'm looking for, a spe- looking for a special sign. It's like that story of the, the guy who's there's a flood in the town and he crawls up on his roof. and He says, God, please save me. And a helicopter comes by and says, hey, jump on the ladder. No, 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 God's going to save me. A boat comes by. Hey, hey, jump in the boat. We'll take you to save. No, 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 God's going to save me. The water goes up. He drowns. He gets to heaven and he says, God, I thought you were going to save me. He says, well, I sent you a helicopter and a boat. I don't know what more you want. People are looking for the miraculous when they don't understand what we understand, that the miraculous happens every day. The miraculous is that we're still here. The miraculous is that we live and breathe every day. The miraculous is that the Son of God came down from heaven, lived among us, and allowed humanity to take him and crucify him, pay the price for our sins. The miraculous is that we can accept that sacrifice and that payment and that we can have eternal life because of that the miraculous is that Jesus is unless you're convinced of that in your spirit in your soul in the depth of your life that he is what matters the most to you you'll never be the follower of Christ that he's called you to be. You'll never find, listen, I'm telling you, I hate to bust your bubble, and I hate to, to, if if you perceive this as negativity, I don't want it to be perceived that way because that's not the way it's meant, but you will never find true satisfaction and purpose and meaning in life unless you get to the place where you realize that Jesus is all you want and Jesus is all you need. Yes, there are other pursuits that come in, but those pursuits need to be pursued through the filter and through the lens of a life following Jesus Christ. So, he says, I am the bread of life. They still, they they didn't understand what he meant about God sending down bread from heaven. He kind of talked about the the Moses story where where God gave manna and they equated it to Moses giving the children of Israel manna and he says, it wasn't Moses that gave the manna. It was me. It was a type of Christ. It was a picture. It was a foreshadowing of of what was to come. As God gave manna to his people, God has now given the bread of life to you. And here I am. I am the bread of life. Whoever takes the bread of life, will never be hungry again, and will never be thirsty. What's also interesting about this is that, that this statement comes shortly after the Sermon on the Mount. Remember the Beatitudes? We're going to talk about the Beatitudes next year uh, in, in our, our preaching series. Remember what one of the Beatitudes was? Blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst... For righteousness. You see, Jesus was building one block on another in his teaching. He says, you're going to be, your, your life is going to be blessed. You're going to be happy. You're going to find purpose if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And now he says, God has sent down bread from heaven that will quench you your thirst and will fulfill your hunger. And that is me. I am the bread of life. What does that mean? I mean, it's real easy to say that. And it's great to put that on Pinterest, right? I don't know, have no idea how to do that. I, I want you to all to know, I'll make a confession right now, all those great things that are on Facebook and all those things that are on, what are some of the, what are the other sites that we have? Insta- Instagram and, and Snapchat. Actually, I, I Zach's not in here, but... Uh, is, it ben, ben, is Do we have those? Okay. I see messages once in a while that come across my phone, and it's like, great, great. I'm glad somebody sees that, but I have no idea. All those things that are posted, I have nothing to do with it, <laughs> okay? Nothing at all. Uh, they'll send it to me and say, hey, does this look all right? Sure, great, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You might want to add a little Dodgers logo on there. That, <laughs> that might make it perfect. But other than that, it looks great. <laughs> It's real easy to live Jesus in a sound bite, right? It's real easy to live Jesus in a quote. It's real easy to represent Jesus with a t-shirt or a, a hoodie. But what's difficult is to live Jesus every day. What's difficult is to allow Jesus to consume you and to allow his word to consume you and overtake everything you do in life so much so that you are the living, breathing testimony of the one who died for the world. What was Jesus saying to you when he says, I am the bread of life? Well, he was said that I am the satisfier and sustainer of life. Try to remember before COVID. Try to remember what it was like before COVID. What the pursuits of people were what everyone was trying to do and, and where their lives were going and what people were chasing after. Remember, interest rates were low and people were buying houses. People were buying new cars and, and all kinds of things. The, the job market was open and people were going out, changing jobs and people were pursuing success and financial gain and amazing opportunities were open. And now here we are. And those pursuits seem a long way away. Those pursuits, for some people even, now I'm not talking about everybody because there's always people that'll keep charging forward, but for some people, those pursuits seem like nothing. And now, for many people, it's a day-to-day existence. It's a day-to-day battle with their mental health it's a day-to-day battle with trying to trying to keep their marriage together because you've been I know we married for better or worse but many of you understand you know you didn't think better or worse meant all day every day with the kids too and it It's tough. And life changed dramatically. What has sustained you through all of this? Has it been the promise of a better day in your life down the road when COVID is over? Or has it been the promise of one who died for you and said, no matter what, no matter what comes your way, I am. I am your sustainer. I am your satisfaction. I am here at all times. Good times, bad times. Success, failure. Happiness, sadness. Clarity, confusion. I'm in the middle of your day, of your week, your month. I'm in the middle of your life. And I can sustain you no matter what. There is no way to exist. There is no way to endure. There's really, now understand how I'm saying this. There is no way for your life to matter eternally outside of Jesus Christ. You might have temporary fame. You might have a temporary impact. Listen, uh, we, Aaron and I both get into over at the high school, working at the high school, just to help out. I mean, I didn't go there looking for a career, I just went there because they need help right now. Okay, they're 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 just begging for help. And like, well, if you want me, it's okay. I'll spend my time over there. Well, it went from like two and a half hours commitment a day to watching the lunchroom and making sure that I, I don't know what I'm supposed to make sure that doesn't happen. It's not going but it's not gonna happen. Uh, to now Aaron is going to be there full time. And <laughs> they ask me to substitute teach at times. Like they're really hard up. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Like if I, if I'm the one you want, I'm there for you. That's great. But as Aaron and I talked about it, I told, I said, Aaron, this is what I've, this is how I believe ministry should be. Opportunities open, the Bible says, behold, I've placed before you an open door. I'm not called to sit in a building at a desk and read old dusty books on theology. I'm called as the pastor of this church, as a follower of Christ, to get out into my world and make a difference for Him. And try to connect with people and try to make an impact in the lives of others for Jesus with the eventual hope and desire and destination of sharing my faith and sharing the love of Christ and letting them know that there is one who cares for them far more than anyone else does, so much so that He died for their sins. And that it's a simple matter of acceptance of that truth That will give you eternal life and will now give you a purpose he wants to be the sustainer of your life everything that comes your way every opportunity is an opportunity to say God is this the way I should go is this the way that you're leading me is this the way you're going to sustain my walk with you not my life not my my, uh, my not my health. Is this the way you want to sustain my walk with you? Is this what's going to be, what's powerful and potent in my life to make me stronger and better, and closer and more effective? Is this how I'm going to produce more fruit? I know in today's day and age, where many of you in your businesses, those of you who own businesses. My heart goes out to you. Those of you who are uh, leaders at work and are in our supervisor are in charge of things. My heart goes out because everybody tells me that you can't keep people in work nowadays. It's difficult. My goodness, the East Longmeadow Dunkin Donuts shuts down about seven o'clock now. What are they thinking? It's crazy. They can't get help. And in the midst of all that confusion, it's an opportunity to turn to Jesus and say, show me the way. Now, whether life is fair or whether life isn't fair doesn't matter at all. You know, we teach this to our children, right? Life isn't fair. Life is never fair. Life isn't fair. With Gabriel and Michael, Michael has the wavy hair loves the wavy hair. Gabriel doesn't. <laughs> and he wants, he, he says, it's not fair that I have this kind of hair. Like, it could be worse. <laughs> right? Right? And <laughs> Life is never going to be fair. Life isn't about fairness. God isn't about fairness. I know that comes as a very big shock to a lot of people. God is not fair. God is just. God is merciful. God is love. But God's not fair, because life isn't fair. I just lost another friend this past week uh, to COVID. Life's not fair. Won't go down that road, but, but, Life will never be fair. But Jesus is. Jesus is not Jesus is fair. Jesus is. He says, I am. I am what you need in your unfair situation. I am what you need in your difficulty. I am what you need in the times of fear. Life is and life has to be navigated and life, even at times, has to be endured That's where the bread of life comes in. In the good times or bad, he is our focus. In the good times or in the bad, Jesus must be your focus. In the confusion and the chaos, he is our center and our sanity. In the pursuit of things and accomplishments, he is our true pursuit. In the midst of our pain, he is our comfort. In the midst of injustice and hate, listen to this. In the midst of injustice and hate, which we're seeing bubble up to the surface of society now in massive quantities. It's a I saw a video, I saw a video clip on the Weather, uh, Weather Channel app of a tsunami of lava. Can you imagine that? I mean, a tsunami of water coming to you is one thing, a tsunami of lava? That's crazy. So in the, middle, in, in the middle of injustice and hate, which is like what we're seeing now, it's just like a tsunami of hatred and anger bubbling up. He is right. You can, you can try to figure out what's this and what's that. It's why, it's why I'm, I'm not, I, I, I don't think the mission of the church is to be involved in social justice. And you can like me or not for that, but it's not our job. It's our job to follow Jesus Christ. We are the... Do you understand? We in the church are the secret to equality. We are the secret to love and grace. You're never going to change everybody's mind. You're just not going to do it. It's not going to happen. But you can live your life with passion and love and power. You can live your life with grace and truth. You can live your life loving Jesus beyond anything anybody else can understand. And in that way, show someone that Jesus is the secret to everything they need. Listen, if you, let me, let me just say this too. I'll I'll take this step down the road. If you're looking for the validation of others for your life and your existence that you're looking for a shallow thing. I, I'll ask, I ask people that a lot. Are you... Are you lo- when you ask me these questions, when you get into these debates with me, are you looking for me to validate you? My validation, it's, it's not... <laughs> okay, you've got John Chase's seal of approval. Good for you. What does that mean? Nothing. Your validation as a human being... as an an existing human being whose purpose is to find Jesus Christ must be in finding Jesus Christ. Your life is found in Him. Your life is hid in Him. He is the source and sustainer of your life. That's what He's trying to tell us. I am the bread of life. I am who you need. I am what you need. In the midst of existence, He is the bread of life that sustains us and gives us everything that we need. Luke 9, 23 said that he said, then he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus isn't a Sunday thing. The walk of faith isn't a Sunday thing. It's an everyday denying yourself, taking up the cross, that you've been given to bear and following him. He goes on to say, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Galatians 2.20, Paul wrote to us, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. What does that mean? It's a great, that's, that's another one of those great, it goes great on a t-shirt, right? It goes great on, uh, it looks good with all the background and everything on, online. But what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? When you put these two together, what, what the Bible is trying to tell us is that Our pursuits in life, our desires in life should be passing away. And we should now be desiring what he has for us. It doesn't matter what it is he's called you to do. He hasn't called everybody to be full-time in church ministry. He He may have called you to be a business person. May have called you to be a parent. May have called you to be a teacher may have called you to be a a laborer, whatever he has called you and gifted you to be, that's what he wants you to do for him. Because opportunities to share your faith are found in the everyday. Opportunities to share your faith and make a difference for Jesus in the lives of others. Opportunities to lift him up so that all people will be drawn to him happen in the everyday of your life. And that's why every day of your life, you need to die to yourself and your own desires and live to him. (laughs) John Piper said this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's deep. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. The question to you is, are you satisfied with Jesus? Is he the bread of life that sustains you every day through thick and through thin, through happy, through sad, through difficulties, through ease? Is he the bread of life that sustains you through it all? Because that's what he wants to be. As you pursue him, as you follow him, as you walk this road of faith, the way, as they called it in the book of Acts, as you walk the way of Jesus, Is he the one that sustains you? The fourth I am, we find in John chapter 8, verse 12, and he reiterates it in John 9, 5, where he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Now, this is incredibly interesting. If If you study through and you study the 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 text around this teaching, some things really start to pop out to you. Things really start to open up and show you exactly why Jesus was saying this and why it was necessary. This followed the encounter with the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. You remember the story, right? This woman is, is found to be in a very compromising situation. Now, I think it speaks a lot to the society at the time that the man apparently was just kind of let go. Nothing, he's not mentioned at all. But they wanted to stone this woman because the Pharisees said that that's what the law of Moses said. In that story, we see the darkness of humanity On one side, we see the religious zealots. And the religious zealots lived by the letter of their own law. They didn't just live by the letter of the law of Moses, the law of the Ten Commandments, the law that God gave Moses on the mountain. These Pharisees just added and added and added to what they said was the law. And they just gave a burden of life and living and existence to the children of Israel that was unbearable so they were on the one side and they're the ones that caught the woman and they're the ones that dragged her out and dragged her in front of Jesus and said what do you say about this we caught her in the very act and the law says she should be stoned so you've got them You've got this group of people, maybe you know people like this, people who want to use the word of God as a weapon. They want to weaponize the Bible because it makes them feel more powerful and it makes them feel justified. That's what these Pharisees were. They used that weaponized word to harass and persecute those who disagreed with them. On another side, we see a woman who's living a sinful life. I mean, there's no way to get around this, right? No way to get around the fact she's living a sinful life. We don't know whether she's having an affair with this guy. We don't know whether she's a prostitute. We don't know what's going on. But here she is. We don't know anything about her except that she was caught in that act. And then right in the middle of all of this is Jesus. This is a real life situation that's covered in the darkness of sin. I mean, there's really no other way to to come about it. There's no other way to say it, no other way to explain it. Now, Jesus deals with the matter. And one one of the mysteries of the ages that I can't wait to find out when I get to heaven is what is it that he wrote in the sand? You remember, right? Jesus said, uh, he, he didn't say anything. They brought her, they accused her and Jesus knelt down and he started writing in the sand. And whatever it was that he wrote in the sand was so convicting that these guys who were, they were bent on blood that day. I mean, they were filled with anger and hate and righteous indignation. What I would I would contend that it was unrighteous indignation. Wanting to kill this woman. And yet Jesus, simply by writing a message in the sand, brought such conviction on their hearts that they dropped their rocks and walked away. Jesus stood up and looked at the woman. He says, woman, where are your accusers? She said, there aren't, aren't any, Lord. Nobody's here left to accuse me. I think... In the presence of Jesus, (laughs) this is so deep here. In the presence of Jesus, there's nobody left to accuse you. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter what you've done in life. It doesn't matter what people think of you in life. In the presence of Jesus, all that matters is him and you and what that relationship is. Well, well, wait a minute. My reputation. I listen, your your reputation is simply what people think about you. That's all it is. It's just what people think. Nowadays, you what, how many times have we see reputation shredded in 1 minute and 30 seconds of a cell phone video. Right? There are, no, <laughs> there are no secret lives anymore because somebody's always got a phone waiting to record you at your worst moment. In these times, in your life, it's Jesus and you. That's what matters. What is your reputation? What is your. What is your uh, Connection to Jesus. How is your life for Him mattering for eternity? Not what other people think, not what other people say. After Jesus has dealt with this situation, in where, listen, He didn't say, what He, what he said at the end of this, He didn't tell this woman, hey, you are right, you're okay. You know what? all a misunderstanding. they were they were he didn't say that Jesus said woman where are your accusers and she said there's nobody left Lord he said good go now and live a life of purpose go now and live a life that matters for eternity following me see after an encounter with Jesus purpose changes After an encounter with Jesus, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, everything's supposed to be different. Now, it may not be the physical things that change. You may still have the same job. You may still, you'll still hopefully have the same family. But now your purpose in life, the reason you do everything you do, well, man, now it's different. And that's what Jesus said to this woman. She said, okay, we've now come together. You've now come to me and... and I've made you whole, now go and live a life that matters. Your past doesn't matter. Do you, under, do you really grab that? Do you really grasp that when it comes to Jesus? I mean, this isn't a feel good moment where you're reading a book you found off the shelf that in the life, in, in the, the help, the life help, help, life help center, the self-help section of the bookstore. Man, why was it so tough to say that? I don't know. Oof. This is the reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't. Ca- In fact, he says, "Listen, as far as your sin goes, psh, you've confessed it, man. It's behind. Me. It, it's behind you. I've thrown it as far as the east is from the west. You understand what that means? East and west never meet. They just keep going. They just keep going. And then after that, Jesus teaches." that I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What an amazing contrast. What an incredible contrast. Here, we see a matter, a situation, a life situation that is consumed with darkness on both sides. I mean, this was a race to the bottom, wasn't it? That whole situation was a race to the bottom. Jesus broke through, changed a life, and then told everybody, I'm the light of the world. If you walk with me, you will not walk in darkness. You'll walk in the light of life. In Exodus chapter 13, we're told that the Israelites in the wilderness were guided by at night by a pillar of fire you remember that right the pillar of fire went before them and where God wanted them to camp I think this is so cool they kept walking and kept marching even into the night until that pillar of fire that represented God until that stopped and when that pillar of fire stopped they had to stop and if that pillar of fire and then became a pillar of cloud during the day if it stayed there for a week they stayed there for a week He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. See, he's ever present with you and that's what the light of the world is all about. Jesus is with you. He is the light that leads you. Once the Israelites got to the promised land and they built the temple, the Bible says fire came down from heaven and filled the temple and the presence of God there. Uh, The presence of God was there in the temple and we, we call it the Shekinah glory of God or the present glory of God and the presence of God filled the temple. Now that you are the temple of Jesus Christ. His light fills you. And what's really cool is Jesus said, I came into the world to be the light of the world, but now you are the light of the world. Because you've accepted me as your savior, because I now dwell within you, because now the Holy Spirit is in you, you are the light of the world. Go into the highways, and the hedges, and the byways, and the side streets. Go out and tell people about me. In Psalm 104, 104 verses 1 and 2, it says, My soul, bless the Lord. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with majesty and splendor. He wraps himself in light as if it were a robe, spreading out the sky like a canopy. We get the song, How Great Is Our God, from that psalm. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide, and it trembles at his voice. How great is our God. What can the light of Jesus do for us in our everyday? Because that's what it breaks down to, right? It breaks down, it has to break down to this. What can the light of Jesus do in our everyday life? How can you live with Jesus? How can he be ever-present with you every day, in a way that you are different, a way that you are affected in the way you feel his presence and in the way you affect other lives for the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Psalm 119 verse 105 gives us the first uh, understanding where it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it starts with his word. It doesn't start with your favorite author. It doesn't start with a podcast. It doesn't start with... um, your uh, your um, meditation. It doesn't start with your workout at the gym. It starts with the word of God. We're blessed in this day and age to be able to have the Bible in a way that we can read it even if it is listening to it at all times. If you are driving, you can hook it up to your Bluetooth, or you can just take the shot of your phone being loud enough in your car, and you can listen to the Word of God while you drive. You can listen to the Word of God if your employer allows you to do so at work. While you're at the gym, you can listen to the Bible while you're working out. So all kinds of ways now that we can listen to the Word of God, read the Word of God. The Word of God is funny in this way. It won't be a light where it's not wanted or where it's not used if you don't turn on the light of the word of god in your life then you're going to walk in your own darkness so the first thing you have to do is commit to the bible commit to the bible being your source of understanding your source of morality your source of uh, guides uh, your source of understanding how you are to be representing jesus in the world First John 1 verses 5 through 7 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we are lying and not practicing the truth, if, if we walk in the light as he, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The light of Jesus is fully light. There's no darkness. There's no blind spot. There's no no corner that it won't reach. The light of God, the light of Jesus Christ, the light of his word is fully light. There are no lies. There is no confusion. There is no controversy. I think it's so important for us to realize and accept and live in this truth. There are no contradictions in the word of God, none. Well, I, I read this guy online read this woman online, listen to this webcast, I listen to this podcast, and they said the Bible's full of contradictions. Okay. You know the easy way to figure that out, whether it's true or not? Go to the Bible. When people say there's contradictions in the Bible, when people say, how many, how many of you had somebody say, well, I don't believe the Bible because it, it endorses slavery. Does it really? Or does it record history? And, and and does it say that whatever situation you find yourself in, find a way to glorify God? Whatever condition you find yourself in, he says, in good health or in bad, find a way to glorify God. It's possible. Psalm 27:1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I dread? How can Jesus be the light of life to you? The light of Jesus is our confidence. It's our courage. It's our security and our safety. In times like this, in times like now in our, in our nation's history where it seems like everything is just being ripped apart at the seams, where so many things seem like they're beyond repair, where fear is real. I, every day somebody talks to me whether it's, um, you know, at, at outside, whether it's at work, where, wherever it is, somebody messaged me and says, geez, do you see, did, did you see the shelves at Big Y? See the shelves at Costco? See the price of gas? See this, you see that, you see all this? Man, it's, it's crazy. There's fear. And now people, the latest one to go around is Christmas gifts, right? Got to buy Christmas gifts now because there's no guarantee they're gonna be there later. Okay, keep that change in your pocket maybe. (laughs) In the midst of great fear and panic, he is your courage, he is your sanity, he is your strength. This means that we truly can live lives with faith overcoming our fear. You could put that on a t shirt too. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 says, This is where Jesus transfers this to us. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your shi- light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The light of Jesus now lives in you if you've accepted him as your Savior. It's now your responsibility to show that light to others in the way that you live, in the way that you talk, in the way that you execute and exhibit your faith, in the way that you treat others, in the way that you participate in your church, in your positive approach to life and the world instead of a negative mindset. And man, I think that's one of the most difficult things to do today is to stay positive. So tough right now for people to stay positive. Unless you're holding on to Jesus. Listen, I don't know about you, but in my life—and I'm being dead serious—my family is being blessed right now beyond belief. God is blessed, and I'm not talking about you know we're in, it's not we didn't win the lottery. You don't have millions of dollars in in the bank. I wouldn't mind that blessing, God. I mean, if that's the way you choose to bless me, that'd be wonderful. But in so many different ways, God is blessing us. I mean, we had a great time with friends yesterday. What a blessing. And Aaron's going to ask you a question. Please make my life easy and say caramel. I don't know, man. And don't ask Siri, because Siri will agree with me. But but we're, it's, it's just a great, a great time of amazing blessing in our house. I told you, see? 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 Wow. Hi Facebook.
1: Okay. You
0: cheated. <laughs> All right. It's caramel? All right, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. All right. In second Corinthians 6:14, it tells us not to be unequally yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? The light of Jesus teaches us to discern. The light of Jesus gives us discernment for our lives. It teaches us to know the difference between right and wrong. It teaches us to know the difference between good and bad. It teaches us the difference to, the, to know the difference between truth and lies. It teaches us to know that it's better to have good relationships than bad relationships, and what those truly are. And it teaches what teaches us what truly matters and what doesn't matter. And lastly, in John 1, 5, it says, that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. The light that Jesus gives overcomes the world's symptoms, Uh, systems the world's temptations the world's lies and the world's desires I think there's something that we need to understand as followers of Christ the world in their present state in their sinful state in their state of, of disbelief in Jesus Christ and the things of God the world will never understand Jesus while it rejects him The world will never understand Jesus while they reject his teaching. What it's time for is for the true followers of Jesus to accept that, to reject the leadership of the world in matters of faith, in the matters of morality, in the matters of ethics, in the matters of equality. Say this again, just so we're clear. Our politics have no business being here. I don't really care who you vote for. I honestly don't. I don't care if you vote, I don't care if you write your dog's name in. I honestly don't care. Because in the long run, in the, in the light of eternity, who's president, who's senator, who's congressman, that's not going to affect people's eternal soul. Now, that may make it easier for us to do the things we do, but what we need to be doing Is reaching people with Jesus Christ is sharing people sharing with people the love of Jesus and it's time that Christians reject the narrative that we are here to heal society when that's not our calling at all if we live the teachings of Jesus Christ it will affect society one way or the other I am of the belief right now that the more you live your faith, the less popular you're going to be in our area. You move to other parts of the country, and that might be different. But up here, there are things that you better be very, very careful of if you don't want to get into a fight. And I I mean a physical fight. Be very careful, but represent Jesus. It's time that we stand up Take a stand for biblical truth, biblical ethic, ethics, biblical morality. This is the only way that we will be light that shines truth in the darkness. How do you do what you do every day? What motivates what you do every day? What is behind it? What shines through? What is guiding your path? For, no, for whatever it is you do for a living, whatever it is, whoever you live near, whoever you live with, How do you navigate those things in life? Do you do it on your own? Do you do it by the teachings of uh, those in the world or do you do it by applying the word of God to everything you do? That's how he wants to be the light of the world in your life. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege of being able to come here today in person, for the privilege of being able to dig into your word and see what it has to say for us. Lord, it's not easy. It's not easy to to stand for truth when nobody wants to hear it. It's especially not easy to take those stands when it's much easier to just blend in. But you haven't called us to blend in. You've called us to stand out. Lord, your word tells us exactly how that can be accomplished. I ask, Lord, as, as we face the rest of this day and this week coming up, that we'll take take stock of our lives, we'll take stock of our minds, we'll take stock of, of what it is that we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it. And Lord, if our purpose needs to change, would you change it? If our course needs to be corrected, would you correct it? Father, may we have no greater desire than to honor you and to allow the life of your son, Jesus, to live through us. Bless us as we go from here today. May we go forward as worshipers, as missionaries, sharing your life and your word and your light, the bread of life to all around us. In your name we pray. Amen.